All right. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Faithfully Engaged. I have a very unique guest here today. Um, his name is Robert, and I'll go ahead and kick it off to Robert a little bit and have him introduce himself, and we'll get into it. So, Robert, it's good to see you today. Tell us, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, it's good to see you, Johnny. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I am not your typical guest. I am not a counselor. I am a software engineer, and I am living in Taiwan. Uh, although I will say that my father is from Oklahoma, uh, so we have that connection. Um, he was born there, and I think stayed there until he was five or six years old, and then uh, moved out of state. But um, anyway, there's some connection. And yeah, I'm a software engineer living in Taiwan. And uh, I've built this website called revedit.com, uh, which shows people what gets removed from uh, their Reddit account. And we can talk a little bit about why that's important and maybe how we connected too. Uh, wonderful. I, I, I'm, like I said, I'm really looking forward to this in part because this is a little bit of a different guest, but I think this is just such an important topic. Before we kind of get into that, I'm just curious because I didn't know that about about your dad. What do you know where in Oklahoma um, that he was at? I think he was born in Lawton. Oh, okay, yeah. So well, south of Oklahoma City, like like you, right? Yeah. So Lawton is our closest uh, kind of city of note. Um, I'm in Duncan, and it's hmm. twenty three, twenty four thousand, something like that. And Lawton's uh, right around a hundred thousand, so that's like thirty minutes away. So I'm I'm well-versed of Lawton for sure. Mm, mm. Yeah. And uh, there was another city, which is escaping me, um, just south of Oklahoma City, uh, but I've forgotten. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that That's okay. Um, okay. So kind of on the, the geography type of thing, um, you mentioned that you're in Taiwan, I, I know um, probably a lot of the audience knows some of uh, there's some tech things that certainly go on in Taiwan. But when I first, you know, got in touch with you and here to Taiwan, I was like, I don't think I've I've met anybody that's lived in Taiwan. So uh, kind of share with the, the audience your journey to to making it into Taiwan. Yeah, so I guess it started maybe 11 years ago. I was living in uh, New York City, um, working as a software engineer and uh, sort of for like a financial uh, data services company. And um, maybe just looking for something new and different. And I had a friend who had moved to Laos. Uh, his um, now wife at the time had taken a job working for an NGO uh, over there. And so it was a travel opportunity to go and check it out. And in the back of my mind, I was kind of thinking, well, I could um, backpack around here a little bit. I had seen other people's experience uh, doing that, uh, browsing the internet, actually using um, the website we'll talk a bit about later, Reddit, uh, to read about people's experiences traveling around Asia. And I thought, you know, I'm 30. This was in. Um, 2012. Uh, and maybe it's a good time to broaden my horizons. And, and uh, long story short, once I got to Taiwan, uh, I was meeting a friend here uh, who I'd also met in my travels. And, and I ended up meeting my wife. Uh, we married in 2016, 
had our daughter in 2018 and that pretty much brings us up to now. Great. Yeah. It's always interesting to me of just hearing those stories. Um, everybody kind of weaves their own path. I, I don't think I've told you this, but I've, um, I've got a cousin that uh, he and his wife are um, in South Korea. So they're just kind of experiencing some of those cultural uh, differences and things like that. But uh, they moved there. Uh, I, you could call it unfortunate or fortunate. I don't know what you would want to call it, but it's really right smack dab in the middle of COVID. Um, and some of their stories of some of the uh, isolation things that they had to do when they first came in. Um, I know we have that stuff that's happened in, in the United States, but very different in Asian cultures. It, it, there's not quite the, uh, uh, the backlash or anything. It's just you do what you're told. And it, it was just it's a very different experience um, in Asian cultures like that, which I'm sure you are very well aware of. Yeah, that's true. Um, Taiwan kind of dodged a bullet with COVID. Uh, we were only really kind of restricted to our homes and necessary, necessary going outings for a couple of weeks over the whole period. Um, I did have a concern, though, that that was going to be the case. And, and it, right at the beginning of it, I thought, you know, should, should we just try to go back to the U.S.? Um, but it, it wasn't quite an option because my wife would need a visa to go there and that takes quite a while to prepare. So just kind of thought, well, we're just going to have to deal with it, whatever, whatever comes. And, um, it turned out to be sort of a blessing, I guess. Um, we really didn't get hit too hard. Although what you describe, I think about the the Asian cultures is, is true. There, there is um, no resistance to uh, masking here, for example. Part of that is um, perhaps because people often wear those masks on their scooters while they're riding around anyway um, for a sort of particulate you know, resistance. Mm -hmm. uh, don't get too much dust in your, your nose and face and stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, I feel um, somewhat lucky to be here during that time. But I'm also looking forward to um, we are planning to move back this year and hopefully this year. And I'm looking forward to getting back to the land of the free. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, I think that's a great segue into kind of talking about the meat of things here. Uh, but before we kind of get into your website and everything, I I have a pretty decent idea of of what Reddit is. I used to frequent it quite often, but I know there's probably some people that are listening that don't really know what that is, or maybe they've heard of it, but isn't it just like Facebook or whatever? So can, can you give us just a real quick overview of what Reddit is? Yeah, I want to do that. Let me go back to the, the Asia thing for, for one second. I'm sorry. I, I wanted to point out while I was traveling East Asia that... Once in a while, I would meet somebody whose English was impeccable. And uh, I would always let them know, you know, your English is remarkable. Um, how, how did you get that skill? Because I knew that a lot of people um, uh, want to learn a, a foreign language, maybe English or Chinese or 
um, another to uh, get another job opportunity to to have an international position, maybe to have a higher salary. And, uh, you know, I can't speak for the other languages, but whenever I ask somebody how their English got so good, they would always respond that they had uh, learned it from joining a Christian group, Um, which, you know, nine times out of 10, that was was the answer I got. Um, So I wanted to be sure to mention that on your show um, before we got into my own stuff. No, that that that's a really great point, and um, that that's you know kind of going back to my cousin. That's part of what he's doing is it's through a a, a Christian school, um, and just another kind of quick thing on uh, some of the the cultural differences. This is obviously kind of broad strokes. I know it doesn't hit everybody, but in the states, particularly in a typical public school situation. Uh, it's kind of the general student, I guess, would just be, how do I get through this? You know, I just want to graduate, get get done with it. It's not a uh, get the best score possible. And I know that there are some students that are that way. Again, it's kind of broad strokes. In my cousin's school, they've actually made laws against essentially bribery for the for the teachers so they can't receive gifts and things like that because the students would give so much gifts that they were going to get special attention and be able to get more uh study time and things like that like the value there of education is through the roof and um i think that's great that you pointed out that it's not you know a hundred percent but a lot of that is these christian-based organizations or schools things like that um and yeah, I'm so glad that you pointed that out because uh, sometimes, particularly in, in here in the United States, um, we're used to some of the oh, just narrative that uh, kind of the oppressor and oppressed thing. And uh, since Christianity is at the top, therefore, all they're doing is oppressing other people. And that's kind of a quick little antidote there of saying, well, no, there's actually, maybe there can be some bad things, but that's a good thing. Um, so no, I, I think that's a fantastic example for sure. Yeah. That's so interesting that you have, um, did you say it was your cousin who's in yes. South Korea? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I have a lot of respect for, for anybody, uh, who's in that, who's, who's doing that kind of work. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's one of those things where I don't necessarily think everybody is um, called to have to travel or, or go across the world or whatever. But I do think sometimes, particularly here, um, and we're we're in the Bible Belt and everything, um, and it's great. Uh, there's a lot of cultural Christianity and um, some things that are impacted in our culture, um, which again is is good. But sometimes we're so apt to just want to stay here and, and have roots and have families that, you know, generations down the line stay here. And again, I don't think that's a bad thing, but you can be apprehensive of why are you going to South Korea? Why, why are you going to Taiwan? Like just stay here. And I, I find that uh, exciting to hear, not just my cousin, but other people that do kind of broaden out a little bit um, to, to see the rest of the world. Cause there, there's a bigger world than just your backyard out there. Yeah, and I definitely did get that question from my family and and some friends. Um, I felt a little bit more free to do it. I'm I'm a youngest child by several years. I have an older brother uh, and older sister, 
and uh, they each have their own families and um, yeah, so I've, I felt a little bit more free to, to go out, go out and explore a bit more, but um, yeah, it's, it's something that comes up and it's a fair question, you know, and, and it, it's, uh, it's often got an interesting answer, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it, it is a fair question. It's different. I say all that. I'm I'm in my hometown where I grew up. My my parents are five minutes away. So clearly not against people staying in their home, but um, we, we don't have to downgrade other people or think that they're just making the worst decision ever if they do decide to go elsewhere because that there's good things that you can do um, in other places as well. Yeah, I, I think it's it's uh i i don't have anything uh, against anybody who who stays in their hometown either uh i think just seek first to understand as uh stephen covey would say um and uh you know everybody's got their own story so absolutely well we certainly can uh uh hit more on the on the asian type of uh kind of the travel side of conversation. Um, but do you want to go ahead and jump into some of the, some of the Reddit conversation? Yeah. Let me, let me answer your question that I um, <laughs> jumped away from. Sorry. So I think you asked, what are the differences um, between Reddit and these other more mainstream social media? And I think mm-hmm. there are three. Uh, one is that you're not expected to use your real name on the site kind of uses the old, just username um aspect to it there's not much to your uh, profile typically uh, so it's kind of anonymous uh, if you choose to make it that way and, and most users do um, another way is it's organized into sort of these self-managed groups so rather than um, the others which are only moderated by the platform itself uh, and users, I suppose, because uh, users can report content to the platform and then they can choose to action it or not. Um, Reddit also empowers some users to become uh, moderators, sort of, you know, just like a, a page manager on Facebook, actually. Um, but it's a little bit elevated on Reddit because you get um, to have like a special group name. So there will be like um, reddit.com slash r slash news, you know, is a quite large one. It has over Mm -hmm. 20 million members. So if if you are a moderator of um, one of these kind of intuitively named groups, uh, you potentially have more influence over um, the conversations that go on in there than, than other users. And then the third difference um, I would identify is their comment sections, which can get quite deep. Um, it's a little bit better organized in the sense that you know who's replying to whom. Uh, that's not always so clear on Twitter or Facebook because you only kind of have one or two levels of replies. And then you kind of have to like guess who, where the conversation is and the, you know, if there's a lot of comments in there. Um, Reddit has this kind of hierarchical organization, kind of like an outline uh, that you might make for 
organizing notes or, or writing a paper. Um, and so every comment has like one parent and you can kind of jump into um, whichever subsection of the conversation you want to get into. So those are the three main differences I would say is that it's anonymous, organized into subgroups and the comment sections. And, and the comment sections kind of go along with uh, Reddit's motto actually, because their current motto is uh, dive into anything. Hmm. Yeah. And that, that it's a, it's a great motto and the, I'm just kind of getting to more of my opinion on things here. Hmm. The, structure of it i think that's why it's so popular particularly and more so in like in our age type of range uh you know when you think of back to kind of some of the early days of facebook uh I, I remember when i first got on it i was actually one of the first adopters on facebook of uh of letting high school students in and in order for me to get in this is like 2006 or something in order for me to get in, I had to be invited by somebody from my high school. And previously, you had to have your your college uh, email or whatever. So it was a fairly exclusive group. Um, and then I don't remember the exact year, 2008, nine, something, something like that is when it just mass opened. And now literally everyone and their grandma has, has a Facebook, like everybody has one. And pros and cons to that. But Reddit, not that you can't have a 70-year-old that's on Reddit, but typically that's not the norm there. It's on kind of more of our age demographic, people that have grown up with the internet, a little bit more internet savvy. And because of that, I saw that actually as a great strength, that you had your own kind of language. Uh, You're able to share memes with each other before they got shared out into the whole world. Um, So... I love the way that you you talked about the uh, the anonymous side. It's it's kind of taken the internet back to its roots. Um, back in the the beginning days, you just had a lot of forums and things like that, and it was car lover two three two three two or whatever. <laughs> you, you didn't have your name on it, um, and so there's a lot of benefits there to the structure of Reddit. Leading into that, well, uh, let me just phrase it this way. Um, so thus far, what we've described has been pretty good. So what's the problem? Why why should there be any issue? Let's just let Reddit do its own thing. Uh, what, what's what's kind of going wrong? What's, what's the issue with Reddit? Yeah, good question. So the issue is when a moderator removes your comment on Reddit, uh, it will still appear to you as if it's not removed. You will get no indication while you're logged in that anybody that nobody else can see it. Now, once in a while, a moderator may send you a message to let you know that it's been removed, but that is by and far not the norm, at least not these days. So with that, I post... Uh... Oh, again, let me phrase that again as a question. What's the issue of that? If you're posting something that is wrong and the moderator gets rid of it, why should you know about it? Why why shouldn't the moderator just be able to do what they want and you just need to get over it? Like, why is this such a big deal? Good question. Um, and I think it doesn't occur uh, to a lot of 
to the moderators at least at first, um, they don't necessarily want to deal with somebody who knows that their content has been removed. But there are two reasons uh, why users do deserve to know that their content has been removed and why it's actually good for the forum. Uh, the first one is obvious. If, if you don't tell people that their content has been actioned for violating some rule, they have no chance to learn the rule from their own experience. Um, this is sort of like taking away the judiciary uh, or public court records um, from, say, a governmental system. So I'm, I'm not arguing that there should be no moderation. I'm also not arguing that uh, private platforms, you know, are somehow constrained by uh, the Constitution. Um, you know, they have this thing called Section 230 that protects their right to moderate content. Um, but yeah, if, if a user doesn't know that they've been actioned for, for violating some rule, how can they ex be, be expected to change their behavior in the future? And, you know, uh, Sorry, I'm having some brain fog. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. yeah, it it it, it kind of keeps people stuck in these groups, um, and that becomes a big headache, I think, for for users and moderators alike. Uh, you don't have an opportunity to learn the rules. You you won't change your behavior, and you have no opportunity to say go elsewhere. If you find that, uh, you know, parts of your speech are unacceptable and it's, mm -hmm. this is not your typical shadow ban, um, which is what the general public understands, uh, today, uh, the shadow ban, I believe in, in the media is typically talked about as if it's applying to your whole account. Mm. Uh, but in this case, it's individual pieces of your content. So it could be anything from a keyword to the topic that you're talking about to a certain link that you shared. It, it just happens so frequently. And in fact, at least over 50% of Reddit users have some removed content in their recent history that they likely don't know about. I've got a button on my site that just takes you to a random Reddit user. And if you open that in 10 tabs, five or more will uh, have some removed con comment. And most of the time they aren't notified about it. So, you know, I think one thing that led me to you a little bit is just trying to find someone who's willing to discuss this subject. Hmm. Um, somewhat shockingly, and maybe it's because I'm in Taiwan and, and, you know, I'm 12 hours off. Like, so I'm, I'm asleep when you're awake and vice versa. So it's hard to reach uh, the tech journalists and, you know, I'm just trying to give the benefit of the doubt. But my sense is after several months, I mean, since last summer, almost a year of trying to focus on not writing code for this, but trying to contact, um, 
an organization or a journalist to, to write about it. My sense is that many uh, think that this is okay or that we just shouldn't talk about it, um, this sort of secret removing of content. So the, the conversation that you see in public generally now, with the exception of a, uh, maybe a discussion about the Twitter files in early December of last year, where they did bring up something about visibility, visibility filtering, um, which was Twitter's shadow ban, uh, with, with the exception of that, the conversation is all about, you know, what content should get removed. It, the, the discussion of how content is getting removed is not, is, is not happening. So, so I hope to jumpstart that conversation somehow. Yeah. I am not quite the, the, I never imagined myself to be any kind of public speaker, um, but, uh, you know, I just thought I could build the website. I, in fact, I thought this would be a two-week project uh, in the beginning. I thought, oh, man, this is nuts. Like, I, I noticed that my own comment had been, after six years of using Reddit, in fact, I, I noticed I was looking for, like, a, a data science-y project to work on. And there was this data set of Reddit comments that somebody had collected. And I was like poking around the Reddit API and trying to see what I could do with it. And then I noticed that like one of my highly upvoted comments had been removed, but I knew that it still looked to me as if it was there because I had like gone back and, and seen it there. So immediately I just realized, well, this is like completely unexpected. And I bet I could build a tool that shows when this happens and uh, people would like it, and then everybody will know in a couple of weeks because it'll just go viral on its own because that's how the truth works. It just goes viral, right? <laughs> um, little did I know that's not how it works. And, and that was almost five years ago in, in 2018. And uh, I had continued to assume uh, along the way here that a story would, would just come out on its own. And I thought for sure once I started to you know, reach out to places like the ASCLU, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, um, you know, all these organizations that have free expression in their, uh, in their mission statements or their priorities uh, would surely um, be interested in this topic. Um, but it, it's sort of become so ingrained in internet culture. And I, I've had to do some research myself to understand where this came from. Because uh, at first my impression was, well, okay, this is just on Reddit. And that, that was, you know, that seemed bad enough to me. Um, and I, I thought it was, to be honest with you, I, I thought it was isolated to being abused in a certain portion of Reddit. Um, so as I perceived it at the time that I looked at this in 2018, I went straight to Donald Trump's subreddit, which uh, was called The Donald. And not only were the things that you would expect to be removed, got removed, uh, you know, comments, say, supporting Hillary Clinton or um, whatever, you know, criticizing Trump from clearly left-leaning um, users. But there were also... Um, you know, criticisms from subscribers uh, of the Donald 
that were also removed. Things like, um, you know, I don't like that General Mattis is leaving, for example, might get removed. Or, you know, I'm not concerned trolling, but uh, this bill is not us about some bill about immigration or something. So it it's just sort of lets you manipulate the apparent consensus, I think, to maybe give the sense that there is there is unity or there might not be. Now, let me just say, because I don't want to be, I don't want to make, try to make the point that this is just uh, right-leaning people who are making use of this tool. This tool is all over the internet. That I'm just describing, that was my perspective at the time uh, when I first started working on this. And, you know, now I look at it and I see comments getting removed by not just by moderators, but by the administrator, you know, the employees of Reddit for saying things like, um, you know, men are not women mm. and, and, and about the trans topic. And I'm, I'm interested in that subject, uh, both because I have a kid and also because it's directly related to this speech thing. And, you know, I, again, I think it's fine if forums are, are moderated, uh, but when you take it to where it's secretly moderated, it's starting to look a lot more like, you know, these darker periods in our past, mm-hmm. uh, McCarthyism, um, communism, you know, the issues with the printing press. And I suspect we may find ourselves in, you know, that period again. This is like one of those new technologies that few people really kind of know how it works. So it allows some power plays, I think, that uh, the rest of us just are not totally tuned into. You know, when you're talking about the, even just your own experience of, here's this comment I had, and oh, well, maybe just nobody replied to it or uh, no big deal. I'll just do another one. And you have no idea. You're right. There, the These concepts that are just inherent to something like Reddit. Um, well, well, we'll get off the internet for a second. Let's just say uh, you're at school as a kid. You say something that is off-putting. You get in trouble by the teacher. Your friends are like, dude, that that wasn't cool. You shouldn't have said that. You're getting those kind of natural type of consequences in your language and your behavior. And that helps shape things. It You're doing that s- same thing on the internet and maybe by a moderator to say, look, dude, here's the rules. Um, we, we have these rules laid out. You clearly broke number three or whatever. Here's your ban or whatever the punishment is, but you're getting that clear consequence. And what you're describing there, that's not happening at all when, when that is being used. So behavior is not being changed. There's just silence. And silence is not the way that not just these platforms are supposed to work. It's 
that's how a healthy society, um, e- even with, with free speech, especially, it's not about saying things that are necessarily right. You, you can have your free speech and be as way off base as possible, but you're going to face consequences for saying something down. If, if if you come up and say something really mean about my wife in front of her, like, you're going to get a consequence. I, I, I'm not necessarily doing a threat thing, but we're going to either walk away from you. I'm going to tell you, hey, stop stop talking about my wife that way. Consequence. But if I just cease to have that person talk, like it's like they never even existed. Again, there's no consequence there. And I that is just so... It's so damaging to the online discourse. And, you know, I appreciate your uh, kind of grace and uh, trying to give the benefit of the doubt to some of these publications and organizations. Um, I I don't necessarily think that any of that grace is necessarily what's uh, what's deserved there, because there does seem to there are enough people out there. Here's what I'd say enough people in the know. um that something could and should be said about it. And that sounds like pretty willful ignorance, just putting hands over my ears um, and acting like it's not there. Yeah, that's you're, very you're spot on. You're spot on, Johnny. You, you're just smarter than I am. I mean, you, 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 because, of, because of where you are and what you were brought up with, you, you're just more tuned into this than I am. And... I'll say I'm, I was really excited to talk to somebody who studied psychology about this topic because I always felt like it would be most obvious uh, to you guys, you know, the harm that this does. And you described it perfectly right there. Like you, you're not letting people see the consequences of their actions. Now, if you go and have this conversation with anybody in person, in my experience, uh, they will agree with you. Like mm-hmm. this should never happen. This should not be a thing. Um, but if you have this conversation with somebody online, particularly anonymously, who is a moderator, uh, they have several reasons why they need this uh, sort of exception to decorum. Um, they will say, uh, we need it for spam, we need it for bots, we need it for trolls. And none of these arguments hold water. Okay, let's take bots, for example. Okay. These are coded up by a programmer who is trying to push out some message. Okay, if somebody has coded up uh something to send messages on the internet, they're going to check if those are visible, right? And so what this, and and, and then once they figure out how it works, their ability to spread that message far exceeds any normal users because, uh, you know, they'll just be able to propagate it everywhere. Whereas for a genuine user, you know, I have background as a data scientist. It did not occur to me for six years while using, you know, uh, while commenting on the internet that this would be something that 
uh, a website, much less a popular website, would do. Um, so it hurts genuine users more than uh, it hurts bots. In fact, it strikes me as the position that spammers would take. That, eh, you know, if 10% or 50% or even 90% of my stuff gets removed, I don't care. You know, I can always make more. Whereas, you know, the rest of us, if you're like a, a good faith social media user, you're just like a real person. Um, forget the good faith, you know, judgment. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to spend all this time to, or even think to check, like, while you're logged out, whether your comment is visit, visible to other people. Um, so I, the, there are all kinds of arguments that moderators online will, will give to say that uh, they need these tools. And, and I, I just don't think any of them hold up. I've had this conversation many times uh, with them because I will actively seek it out. Like, what, what are you guys saying to justify this? Like, I want to hear it. And, you know, I want to have some debate with you about it. I know you, only, you will only do it in an anonymous form. Um, and unfortunately, uh, many of the, I think, well-meaning folks, you, you know, you say, don't, don't give them the benefit of the doubt, but this is all I can do, um, will look to, say, the government uh, or, um, say, some publicly published uh, principles for an answer to this. So, for example, there's something called the Santa Clara Principles. Um, which were sort of underwritten by uh, the Electronic Frontier Foundation and the ACLU and signed off by, I think, Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, and some others, which are supposed to be these guidelines in how the platforms behave and, and moderate content. And if you read those closely, um, they still permit not sending a notification about removed content in certain scenarios, uh, such as spam or any scenario that is delineated in the platform's policy. So basically, whatever the platform says uh, in their policy, if they write, you know, we're going to not send a notification for, you know, this type of bad comment. Uh, then that's okay by the Santa Clara principles, uh, which are supposed to be these, you know, um, a higher, make you a more respectable uh, platform. And then there's also uh, some government policy that's going through in the U.S. and in Europe. In the U.S., it's called the Platform Accountability and Transparency Act. And in Europe, it's called the Digital Services Act. And I think bo both of these also have an exception for, for shadow banning content. And, and look, I don't think that uh, uh, the solution is going to be found in government anyway. Um, and, and, and who knows, maybe if there is a discussion about this, about making that kind of law, then that will help raise awareness 
about the issue. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's good or bad, but yeah, it, it is interesting just as kind of some of the tech stuff has been really interesting to me. And in part, I kind of to share a little bit of my own journey, um, hmm. specifically with Reddit. Um, I was somewhat active. I was mostly a lurker as what they would call people on there that basically I'm viewing uh, Reddit, these subreddits, but not necessarily interacting. I'm just kind of reading posts. So somewhat active um, on there. I'm thinking... 2014, 15, somewhere in that time frame is when I was the most active. And just to put a little bit of context here, this was um, this was during the Obama presidency. So, and Reddit is more of a uh, more was always been more of a left leaning type of site. Um, not by they they weren't like you know specifically promoting anybody or anything it's just because of the user base and um some tech things tend to be a little bit more leftward but i say all that to say that i had absolutely no problem with that e even as somebody that was more conservative leaning and i didn't do anything political on there i i was looking at pictures of mountains and like I don't know. I was looking at some sports reddits, and uh, then sometimes, sometimes just the the front page. I always liked that because there'd be some crazy story about nothing. It was almost like a a, a live, like a real life Seinfeld type of thing. Some sometimes because it was just stuff about nothing, but it was so interesting the way that was presented. Um, it would just have real life stories that everybody was involved with. You just felt like this community that. By and large, we had our differences, but you could go on any subreddit or go on the front page. And by and large, you're just hanging out with people. It, it's the market square. And not just Reddit, but Twitter, Facebook, everything. Um, definitely, I saw this anecdotally, um, the, the 2016 presidential election, that it just... It was awful. It was like the only thing that I ever saw was something political. And granted, it was a it was a presidential cycle. So you, I, I was expecting there to be more, but it there there was something deeper than it. The the whole mood shifted. Um, it just seemed dark. You had people pitted up against each other, and I didn't like it. So. I ended up taking several year break off basically all social media. Um, I, I got married in 2017 and right before I got married, pretty much off of all of it up until really this last year, just when I got my own business going, um, just thought that would be kind of better for my business to have a little bit more of an online presence. So came back. Um, and from what I've seen, Facebook is, yeah, um, I mean, it's still pretty Facebooky. Um, just has has its own set of issues. Twitter, certainly post Elon Musk, not saying it's perfect, but by and large, it's, I'm able to at least make it to where it's not too terribly bad. But I tell you, I, every once in a while, um, about once every four or five months, I'll just go onto Reddit. Just, I don't have an account anymore, but just go to the front page and almost Every single time there is something politically charged right up at the top. And 
that again, I have no, I, I don't have my own subreddits. That is just what the front page is. And that gets tiring very quickly. So hmm. I guess on your end, um, this could either be anecdotal or if you have any type of evidence, um, when do you think that not necessarily this technology came in, but that we kind of saw this shift that it went from here's just this place to kind of made online and, and it's kind of more fun loving to just they really turned that knob of the censorship. Do, do you have about a time frame of when that really seemed to, to take over? I don't have a good answer for that. I tried to be scientific to uh, go back and look at the code base because Reddit is open source and see if I could figure out if there was a change at some point that changed how this thing that I look at worked. Um, so I don't know if it happened in 2012 or before, I, but I think your question is more um, about when did everything become so political? My read on this after listening to a lot of podcasts uh, while trying to contact people who might be interested in this subject is that there's sort of been this progression on the internet towards it being more and more useful for political campaigning. And um, I think Howard Dean might have been might be noted as one of the early sort of successful uh, online campaigners. And then Barack Obama had his own campaign site, which was called MyBo, which I had never heard of. But I heard um, Brandon Silverman, who is the founder of CrowdTangle, which was later acquired by Facebook. They showed um, content that got popular on Facebook. And, and this tool, CrowdTangle, was um, popular among journalists uh, for tracking uh, what tended to be shared there. Uh, anyway, he, he's quite knowledgeable about the history of this stuff. And uh, he has talked about uh, Barack Obama's campaign uh, website as being the first successful online community organizing. So I don't know exactly how that website worked uh, because it was, you know, shut down after he won the election. Um, but yeah, I think there's been this progression. And so I'm not totally clear on, you know, was there this moment where, you know, everything activated into being political or uh, if it's just my perspective that, you know, like you, I, I sort of felt like it started getting intense around um, 2015, 2016. Um, yeah, I, I sort of recall on Reddit, there was some activity about Ron Paul in the er earlier years. So, yeah, I just, you know, I don't know, maybe it's always been there and we just didn't know about it. That, that that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Um, during the Ron Paul years, I, I you know, I, I was on the internet, but not uh, not on. That was kind of more of that Reddit type of uh, crowd there, and I just didn't really experience that. So I do think there's something to that. Um, 
I think this goes back into some of the shadow banning and everything as well, though, that kind of kind of like you said earlier of talking to people in person, anybody I've ever talked to in a personal life is like, yeah, I'm tired of all this politics on uh, on Facebook, Twitter, where, wherever. Um, th- there's clearly a role for it, but people are like, I just want to share pictures of cats or something, you know, just have a, a, a low intensity type of environment. So no people want it. And I guess this kind of goes into a, another discussion here of what, what can be done um, for just regular you and me, just regular people that are seeing either uh their comments and stuff being taken away or just the discourse in general is just gross. Whether, whether you're a Republican, Democrat or whatever, I think everybody could agree. It just gets tiring after a while. Um, so what can just everyday people that don't necessarily have a tech background, what do you think they can do to improve their kind of online experience? Well, I would first, I would say, prioritize your offline experience you know it's about it's about priorities um you know both times when when you're just talking about you know having the political stuff be so much in your face you know i was thinking i actually read a couple of books on your book list um the one about um fathers being shepherds by is that by vadi bakum yeah yeah Uh uh-huh I haven't watched his video yet, but I, I did listen to your uh, another podcast you posted where somebody mentioned that he has um, some uh, a good series on um, uh, children and something about Caesar. Anyway, uh-huh. the yeah, idea yeah, was yeah, that yeah. the idea was that uh, uh, parents uh, ought to be more involved in their their kids' education and. And that maybe we shouldn't be, um, you know, shuttling them around to all these different activities all the time, uh, keeping them so busy. And so these are really like kind of mind blowing ideas for me to think about. Um, You know, I'm uh, our daughter does go to a school right now and it seems okay. I mean, she's only four. um, So it's mostly playtime. Uh, but, uh, schooling can be pretty, actually in, in Taiwan is, is very intense. Um, kids are often in school and they come home for, for meals, even dinner afterwards, they'll go back to something called cram school where they're, uh, like focused on learning English. So it's, it is very intense here. And, and, you know, I don't have plans to send my daughter through any of that, even, even if we remain in Taiwan. Um, but yeah, I think the the first thing is prioritize offline over online. But when you are online, um, you know it's it's too easy to to see and do what you want, um, and 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 this is one of those ways the secret removal stuff where you don't realize that it's it's another way that you're not seeing the consequences uh, of your actions. Um, so I think you can, you know, maybe you can try to create content on, on something that you own, like you're doing with your own website. You know, it's, it's going to be far more difficult for uh, somebody to have that taken down. Uh, 
compared to say a social media platform where you know your account can be banned and everything can be um, can disappear in a second. Um, and maybe you can also try to seek out conversations with people with whom you might not have the same experience or totally see eye to eye, like, like you and I, um, and, uh, you know, try, try not to go on just to, to score points, uh, against people. And, um, I think that will lead you to sort of naturally disconnecting, um, from conversations at, at the right moment. You know, I think there is a place for ignoring or silence in, you know, face-to-face -face conversations. Everything doesn't need to be uh, spoken out. Um, sometimes actions speak louder than words. And, and that can happen online too. Um, yeah, so healthy use of social media, I think, is, is a great uh, focus. And, and we could all do with more, I don't know what to call it, social media literacy about how this stuff all really works. That when you were talking about earlier of kind of uh, talking to someone with more of the psychology background, that is something on just the psychology of social media, especially for teenagers, for, for minors. I know that they're coming out with more and more, but an incredibly important topic. Um, just because we've never, this is new, like social media um, and the grand scheme of things is still new, but definitely with kids being raised up with it, e even in more of, of our type of generation, it's not like we ne didn't have any technology, but we didn't, we didn't have smartphones growing up. No, no way. And now seeing that with kids that like their, their life is online, um, you need to be very careful with that. And if you're a parent, what I would say is start off, um, yeah, set some limits with, with your kids, but what are you doing? Because I, I'll tell them myself real quick um, with, with my kids. I've got a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old um, son and then uh, another child on the way. There's times where if I'm on my phone um, doing whatever – my daughter has actually physically taken the phone down because she wants my attention. She, she wants to play with me and talking about consequence. That was a good consequence for me. Like that showed me there in that moment, like my daughter doesn't care what I'm doing online. She wants to see me. She wants to be involved with me. So start with that. Um, show your kids a healthy limit to social media if they're 14, maybe you don't let them get on at all. Um, there, there are definitely some negatives there. But regardless, if you're an adult, if you don't even have kids, you can't live your life fully online. Um, I know there's some talks uh, more in the maybe more in the extreme version of, of the conservative view that would almost villainize all technology. I um, mean, we don't want to do that. That we're you're in Taiwan and I'm in Oklahoma. That's really cool that we're, we're getting to talk to each other. Um, so don't villainize the technology, but we need to use it as tools. And oftentimes these tools are kind of using us. So I love that as your first line of defense there is improve your offline life, go play with your kids, do something and not make social media your validation. Um, especially with all the, the bad things that some tech companies are doing, 
you're setting yourself up for failure if you're getting all your life satisfaction from from your online life for sure. Yeah, it's about priorities. You don't have to get rid of the internet or Reddit or social media. Um, It's about understanding how they work. And um, I think putting offline life first. What about going more specifically on the shadow banning? So let, let's let's assume uh, these individuals like, okay, I'm either limit my social media time, like I, I feel like I'm pretty good there, but I'm really concerned about this shadow banning that's and Reddit and Facebook and all, all the other places. What can they do to at least take this conversation on or or any practical steps they can do to maybe help try to resolve this situation? Yeah. So for all these services, um, I've written a little bit about this. Um, They all have some functionality like this. Facebook has a button hide comment. They allow a page manager to remove comment or hide comment. Uh, In fact, YouTube, interestingly, all removed comments work this way. There's secret removals. So if I go to your channel and I write, Johnny, you suck. And uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, bleep that out. <clears throat> You're good. Uh, and you remove it. Uh, it will still show to me as if it's, it's, it's not been removed. And, wow. and look, I get it. That's easier for you. But another issue with this type of removal is YouTube does not tell the creator that that's how the removal works. So Mm -hmm. people are shadow banning each other without even realizing probably that that's what's going on. I mean, I had to use uh, my wife's uh, YouTube account to to test it on, on, on my page because I couldn't get it working with um, my own. And, uh, you know, I just find that that really shocking that, you know, not only do platforms empower people to to do this to each other en masse so much that it it occurs so often that probably every social media user has probably been moderated at some point without their knowledge. Um, it's, It's that prevalent. And, you know. I see this having an impact on uh, all kinds of topics, all kinds of geographies, like all of them, left and right, um, every country, uh, anything you can think about, <laughs> something's getting shadow removed. Um, so, sorry, I, I actually forgot the uh, what your question was. <laughs> yeah, so so it's uh, for those people that that recognize that, hey, that. These things, this is a big problem. What What can can I do about it? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the good thing is that you don't even necessarily like an easy answer to that would be like, well, if you have a Reddit account, you can go to the website that I built, revedit.com and punch in your username and you'll find out where your removed comments are. But that's not necessarily satisfying to somebody who has a Facebook account or maybe somebody who doesn't even use social media um, you know, what's the answer for them? Um, but if you do use social media, you know, you can think back on maybe some of your old posts and, and 
try to view that content when you're logged out. Um, if it's a public forum, if it's a private forum, it's harder to figure out. You need to know somebody else who's in that group um, to, to really check if it's still there. Um, and yeah, in terms of advocacy, uh, I mean, I think some young people are already aware that this does happen. Uh, I don't think that makes it okay because it still happens so often that it seems clear to me that, uh, most people aren't aware that it occurs or they don't know how often it occurs. And I, you know, I do think that's harmful to discourse, just like you. Um, it has implications on our free speech. And I understand that our free speech is written as a protection from government, but there are um, uh, historic figures who uh, expressed concern over infringements on free speech building up in, in the populist first. Uh, so it's not that necessarily that, um, the government, uh, comes down on, on your speech. It might be something that builds up and gets popular support, um, which I think we're, we're seeing today. And, you know, I have some suspicion that the, the way social media works with, um, you know, this secretive content moderation uh, can can be con contributing to that and, and is sort of leaking into the real world where all of a sudden people think it's okay to um, attend a, a, a what is otherwise a, a, a peaceful speaking event and attempt to, to shout them down and and make it so that other people can't hear them. And while that may be uh, legal, because they're not, you know, committing violence, uh, that does go against the principles of free speech. You know, you're using this, uh, what's called a heckler's veto to, to stop someone from speaking and to stop uh, their willing audience from hearing their message. And, and, and that's not, there's nothing civil about that. I, I think kind of adding to, to this, when you're talking about hecklers, this immediately came in, came in my mind. I don't know who this lady is. She's, she's a comedian. Um, I just saw a clip on, on Twitter the other day and I don't even remember the exact quote of it, but was doing stand up comedy and said something that was offensive to someone in the crowd for some trans type of ideology. Again, I don't even necessarily re remember what it was and I'm not necessarily advocating for what she said, but it was a stand up comedy routine. Um, that's kind of what you sign up for is for jokes that can be a little off putting. That's kind of what the art is. And anyways, there was a heckler there that was really shouting back at, at her. Um, and going back into just speaking truth and especially in a real live in person situation, if that individual that was heckling probably thought she was going to get a lot of support from the rest of the crowd um, because that's what you do, right? You, you got to stand up for those rights, but 
she didn't. Uh, the, the crowd w- actually thought the joke was kind of funny and it wasn't done super distastefully. So she got, again, that feedback right there in real world time that no other people, like it is okay to say these things. Um, I, I don't have to play by these rules. But had that comedian taken some of this self-censorship and just did a routine and, and didn't ever go there, then that would just feel even more that we can't talk about these things. It's super taboo. And I think it's important, whether it's online or offline, to speak truth. And this is in your spot where you just have all this technical knowledge and able to see things through that lens and other people don't necessarily want to hear it. Eventually, truth gets out. Um, It may not be the way that we want it to look like or that we envisioned, but truth has value just because it's true. Um, So whether you're communicating that on an online forum or just to your friends, speak truth. And and I think you've lined out very well and very clearly that this shadow banning is not a helpful way to, to conduct online discourse. So talk about it. I, I would say to people that are online that um, that are hearing this, like, oh, I never even heard about it. Talk about it. Speak truth. And we don't necessarily have to have the right answers of where it goes. But speaking truth does matter um, in ways that you might not even see. I completely agree. And I, I like that answer so much better. <laughs> My goal with this has always been to start conversations, to give people back their words, uh, to let more conversations happen. and and. You know, I would like people, I would, well, I, yeah, I would love to see people um, talk about whether or not this is a right thing to do. I'll, I'll even put that out there. Maybe it's the right thing to do. Now, I've had this conversation a lot of times online with moderators. I am willing to have more of those conversations on video, on a recorded line with anybody who's willing. Um, this is not something that I have seen happen Anywhere, I'll say with the exception of um, brief news items about shadow bans uh, regarding Twitter. And, and I don't want to take away from that. That was a big deal. It's important uh, what Elon Musk did to um, openly share some hard things about a company that he just bought. Uh, but you know, even in academia, there is research into content moderation uh, and Reddit, uh, many, many papers. And I have, I've been unable to find any assessment of whether or not uh, this shadow removal stuff is an effective mechanism for, for discourse. And, you know, uh, you, in fact, there's sort of a manual on how to, I forget the name, the title of the book, but it's something like uh, how to run a successful online community in which it recommends this practice. It recommends not notifying people or sending an error, putting an error message up instead of um, letting them know that, uh, that they're not able to post for such and such a reason. Um, and this was published by, you know, professors from like MIT and Yale. I mean, yeah, that that is again that that kind of shows some of the. There's something deeper than just a 
a disagreement. That's why I love the fact that you you kind of lay down that that gauntlet. Like, hey, let's talk about it. You're willing to be wrong, um, but let's talk about it. And things such as that, um, higher ups, MIT, Yale, uh, Reddit, Facebook, Twitter. I mean, th- these are these are big, big companies, big institutions. Let's let truth win out. Let's talk about it. I could be wrong. Um, maybe, maybe Robert had no idea what he was talking about, and I'm wrong for having him on the show. Okay, let's talk about it. That that's the answer. There is talking it out, not let me just put this hammer down and suppress your ability to talk. So even if they are correct, even if we give them that benefit of the doubt that. No, shadow banning is a good practice. It really helps take the bots down or whatever. It makes it a, a better practice. You're still wrong by not really having open discussions about this. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't really see an out there to where they are. They're the good guys, at least in the way that they're portraying things anyways. That's how I feel. And I, I have a little bit of sympathy for the position that we find ourselves in um, because there's many words for this practice, by the way. Um, bozo filter is another common one, um, but it also goes by selective invisibility, um, visibility filtering, we've heard, and, and there's just so many different words uh, that are used internally uh, to describe this same thing, the lack of notification of some, you know, that you broke a rule and your content's been moderated. Um, but it, it seemed to start up uh, really at the beginnings of the internet. There's this post by um, Jeff Atwood, who is a uh, founder of Stack Overflow, which is like a programming question and answer website. It's really useful if you're, you're a programmer, you can type in some error message in Google and Google and you know, somebody's probably already asked that question and answered it on, on this website. Anyway, Jeff uh, wrote a post in over 10 years ago about um, hell banning, which was, you know, the word he understood for this practice and kind of making the point that people have been reinventing this uh, practice over and over since the beginning of the Internet. And uh, Bozo filter is one that was common for WordPress sites because there was a plugin called BB Press that allows um, people to comment on your WordPress site. And I guess um, they had uh, some button in there where you could mark somebody as a Bozo uh, so that uh, they could continue to comment on your site, but they wouldn't know that it was removed. Um, so the sympathy I mentioned for, for the platforms today, you know, is, is maybe misplaced. Happy to have you disagree with me uh, on that. Uh, but it, it did not, it did, it did not just come from them, you know, like it, it came from us. And so I also think the the answer to this has to come from us because if we just move on from Reddit, for example, or Facebook or Twitter, onto the next ones without understanding the issues that sort of let them become so big, well, we're going to have the same problem at the next one, and it's going to be even bigger. 
that that that's a really good point. Um, that kind of in some psychological concepts, uh, it, it reminds me of um, of kind of how anxiety works. That anxiety oftentimes is very fueled by avoidance. So I don't want to deal with the presentation that I have at school. So I say that I'm sick, so I don't have to do the presentation. And since I stayed home from school, didn't do the presentation, I feel better. That's all fine and good. But guess what? I still have to give the presentation. So it doesn't go away because I didn't deal with the root cause. I just made myself superficially feel better in the moment. And I think to your point, yeah, we move on from Reddit. We we create this other site. Um, great. But is it going to have the same problems? We, we don't want to have um, real superficial answers. And I think this goes even deeper than what we're talking about, that there's this concept of uh, external and internal locus of control that uh, external, I am basically wanting the whole world around me to change and make things better for me. Um, and that's a very passive mindset. Let, let's, let's let Robert do all the hard work here. So he's got the tech skills. I'm just going to take a back seat here. When we all play a role, even if it's just that small role with how we conduct ourselves in our own little communities. But we need to feel that empowerment and um, just that assertiveness to control what we can. Um, and yeah, and not wait for not wait for Trump or for any politician to come in and save the day because. Yeah, we're, 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 the, we're the issue here. We're the culture. Um, so what can we do to help fix the culture? I think that's that's a really good point that that frustration that we might have with some of the tech people, while not necessarily inaccurate, um, that may not be the full root cause. Um, it's and, and I would add this too with uh, kind of on the Christianity side that we would say that's really just the concept of sin itself too, just in just in the culture. We're we're imperfect beings and we do dumb things and, and those dumb things that we do don't just affect ourselves. It, it can affect the whole culture. So I, I think that's a really, really good point. That's great. I'm so glad you brought that up because I've read a little bit of the Bible, but I know that the, the stories in there are, can be so deep and in such, in so few words. And yeah, I think what you say is true that, you know, we are each flawed and, and, um, you know, that, that can manifest itself. It does manifest itself in the real world yeah. every day. I, 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 and uh, sometimes we just hit these points in society where, where these problems like bubble up. And uh, the, the solution to them is, is not going to come from, like you say, looking to someone else. It comes from each of us and not just, you know, technologists. Yeah. Um, Really, everyone plays a role. It's really important. Yeah, and, and, so and thanks, that really thanks so much for having me. On. Goes great with. Yeah, I, absolutely, and I, I think that that just ties together a really nice bow there at the end. That that's why why I'm doing the show is to be engaged. That's the whole name, faithfully engaged and not sit back and let these experts come in and just fix everything for you. That's just not how life works. You can be involved. So 
Robert, do you have any other uh, kind of lasting thoughts or uh, things that you want to give the audience before we wrap it up? Um, let me look at my notes here. I, I, I think we, we hit all the topics that I really wanted to talk about. I've really enjoyed listening to your show. Um, you've had some really interesting guests and, you know, I, I love the, how open you've been about your experience. Um, you know, I know that you, you, uh, uh, lost your job over your beliefs about, uh, taking the, the vaccine and, and that you, but that you were also able to connect with, um, you know, some counselors who had similar concerns as you about the gender affirmation stuff, uh, through social media. And, you know, that was also interesting to me to hear about. And, you know, I checked out um, the books on your book list. I, I mentioned that I read the one by Vladi Bakum, and I also started reading the one by Thomas Sowell. And I had no idea who that was. Um, but, you know, it's, it's really eye-opening. And he's, he's such a smart guy. Um, so I, I hope... Um, you know, more people listen to your show and get turned on to uh, that kind of material because I think many of us just haven't been exposed to it. And it's, it's just words. It's, it's not, you don't have to agree with it. Um, you know, if you don't like it, you can put it down. Um, but, uh, you know, I feel I've gotten a lot out of just, just listening to, to the guests on your show and, and checking out that material. So, so thank you. Well, that, thank you again, Robert. I, I was I was so excited to, to have this conversation. We've kind of exchanged some emails and messages for a while. Just again, this is perfect for some of the the rebranding here, faithfully engaged. Of I've loved talking to other like minded counselors, and I'm going to continue to do so. But I like this expansion um, because there's so other so many other things going on in life. So Robert's doing great work. Um, do, do you want to tell them real quick? Uh, I'll link this down below, but do you want to tell them real quick where they can find you at? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I have a Substack now that's called Removed, uh, removed.substack.com. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, which you can just use the link. It's some jumbled, jumbled letters of my uh, first initial and last name. And uh, then, you know, if you have a Reddit account, go to revedit.com, R-E-V-E-D-D-I-T.com. And uh, put in your username and, and maybe there's something in there that, that you didn't know about and that will lead you to have a, a better conversations online. That's really my goal is to, to help people have um, better conversations, more informed conversations, both on and offline. Perfect. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll make sure to put all those links down there so you can find Robert. And thanks again for being on the show. And definitely encourage everybody listening to just take to heart kind of what what the, the the message of this is of just being truthful realizing that these tech things they can happen but don't let that silence you um these conversations do matter even with people you disagree with so great work robert and everyone watching i hope you have a, a great rest of your week and we'll catch you on the next episode Thanks, Johnny.